0: Hey guys, this is Ed, Paul, and Anna of Current Media, and we are here to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. Sportsball is a great subscription service geared towards
1: minor league baseball fans. Each box features a different minor league team. You get a box every three months with minor league baseball gear, including different styles of hats like Ed's favorite, the dad hat. The cost is less than $12 a month.
0: Proceeds from each box goes to more than baseball, the only nonprofit dedicated to the well-being of minor league baseball players.
1: We all know that Parents' Days are coming up this summer, so if you've got a mom or a dad, or grandma or a grandpa who are particularly difficult to buy for, but you know they're baseball fans, this is the answer, guys. Meet your new favorite team at SportsBallBox.com. Is there anybody there?
0: What's up, Dad Hat Crew? Ed here. And on this episode, I give you guys the head baseball coach of the Wilmington Sharks, Russ Burrows We talked about how he goes from being a pitcher, um, his trajectory in the Independence League, playing internationally, uh, and then going and becoming a, a baseball coach. His uh, first uh, stop and then now where he's at with the Wilmington Sharks. We also talked about just, you know, honestly, guys, just being a good human being and uh, treating everybody equally with respect. So without further ado, guys, I give you guys the episode. All right. Well, I want to welcome you guys to yet another episode of the dad Hat Chronicles. Obviously, you guys already know who I am. I'm Ed. But with me today, I actually have a head coach of the Wilmington Sharks. Mr. J- Ross Burrows himself. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing well. I appreciate uh, you inviting me on tonight.
0: Yeah, man. I, I was like, we got together over some uh, some hats and then uh, I, was, I just threw it out there. Hey, you want to come on the podcast? And you said, absolutely. So here we are, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime we get to talk about baseball and maybe throw in some hats, you know, I'm all for it.
0: There you go. Now you go. I love it. All right. So let's get started, man. Let's, let's, uh, let's go back in time. Tell me, uh, growing up, How'd you become a fan of this great sport called baseball?
1: So it all started pretty much when I was born. Uh, My mom put a baseball in my crib and I kind of just gravitated towards it with my left hand. And pretty much from then on, she said, you're going to be a baseball player. (laughs) That's good. And I I was like, okay, so here we go. So, you know, being a lefty and being able to pitch a little bit uh, definitely made it a lot easier for me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I see like uh, you played a couple of years, um, and then you played uh, international ball.
1: Yep, I did four uh, four years of indie ball, independent baseball, and then one of those years I was up uh, in uh, Canada. So that was a fun experience.
0: That's awesome. So yeah. uh, where did you play when you were playing here in the uh, in indie ball?
1: So I was in Trinidad, Colorado, for a little bit. Taos, New Mexico. Uh, Skagit Valley up in Washington State which I think it was in Mount Vernon and then I was up in New York and then I, then K- Hamilton Canada so I, I bounced around a lot of places
0: oh my oh yeah yeah you did that's awesome dog. I mean you're following your dream which is awesome
1: I am you know at the end of the day it was do I want to look back in 10 to 15 years and say hey you know I regret not giving it a shot even if it was independent baseball even if made me, you know, sleep on Motel 6, you know, beds for three or four years or sleeping on floors. It didn't matter because I was living out my dream.
0: And you were having fun.
1: Exactly. It was some of the best memories I've ever had. Like, I, I would not trade them for anything.
0: That's awesome. I love it. I wish I would have been able to play. I was not good enough. <laughs> right. So I never made, out of, uh, made it out of high school. So, but I'm doing this. So, and you know what? whatever age you're in, you know, I think it is, is just following your dream and just don't give up, you know,
1: just do it as long as you can until you can't do it anymore. Got that. Right. I love that.
0: Um, so you went to college, you pitch in college, huh? Mm
1: -hmm. I went to Lipscomb university and pitched there. Okay. All
0: right. So you are just, you're just pitching everywhere, man. You're just, you know, (laughs) wherever they tell you to go pitch. I was like, yep, let's go. I'm going.
1: It was, it was a very interesting journey for me, especially, you know, being, being a lefty, you know, I was recruited out of high school as a pitcher. Um, a lot of injuries happened along the way. Like I ended up having three arm surgeries all on my left arm. Um, even to a point to where I was told that I may never pitch again and I needed to take some time off and, you know, me being stubborn, stubborn, kind of just said, Hey, you know what, I'm going to prove you guys wrong and I'm going to continue through it. Um. And that kind of allowed me get in, to get into independent baseball, and kind of made me chase my dream. And you know, lo and behold, after indie ball, I, didn't, I never thought in a million years I'd be a head coach somewhere. Um, but it just kind of kind of fell into place, and you know, I, I found my calling.
0: I was just going to ask you, uh, how did you go from becoming a pitcher to you know finding your calling and and being a, a head, uh, baseball coach? How 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 that happened?
1: So it was my 30th birthday and I was up in Canada, you know, big, big three zero. it's a big year. I kind of had, you know, one of those midlife crises. Like what the heck am I doing? I'm in another country, 30th birthday. I'm by myself. Like I'm getting paid peanuts. Like, what am I doing with my life? I've played four years. I've done everything that I needed to do on the playing side of things. Um, coaching always sparked my interest. You know, it never was something that I wanted to dive just fully into. Um, growing up, I only had, you know, a very small amount of good coaching in my career. Um, so a lot of the times being in the bullpen pitchers will say, oh, Hey, we would have done this different way. or We would have managed the game a different way. So we kind of made it a game over the years, like what we would have done. And, you know, that kind of started the snowball for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I got done, I was, I just kind of looked at myself and said, you know what, I want to try to give coaching a try. And I, as soon as the season was over, I had offers to play another year. And I was just, I just said, Hey, I want to, I want to try something new. So I sent out my resume to, Oh my God, 200 different organizations. Um, and I got three callbacks out of 200 emails (laughs) Um, is wild. You know, the, the main thing everybody said was you need coaching experience. And in my head at the time, I had four years of professional experience. I had, you know, baseball training experience as an instructor, what more do I need to learn? And at that time, I didn't realize that they were right yeah. because I'm still learning. Like I'm, I'm in my fifth year of coaching and I'm still learning new things every day. So um, I got three callbacks and ultimately the, the one of the teams offered me their pitching coach position. And it was the closest to home that I had ever been, you know, playing aside from college. And it was in a really good league. I really liked the logo and (laughs) it was the steamers at the time. And, you know, I went there and that's how I got my coaching career started as their pitching coach.
0: That's hey, you got to start somewhere, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, little small town, town of like four to five thousand people. You know, everything's closed on Sunday. So it kind of had that Mayberry feel. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And And let, let, let walk me through your your coaching you know there right uh, it's you're the pitching coach you know well how what was your approach you know first you know going in there and be, being their pitching coach with these college kids
1: you know the, the big thing that i always see and i'm guilty of it too is your first year into coaching, you want to move mountains. <laughs> you think that you can just move mountains and make the rivers flow the way you want to, and you're going to change every kid's life and make them better. Um, I, it's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, it's you've got to learn your players. You've got to understand how they work. You've got to understand how they think. And you know, some of these guys, you come in and just say, "Hey, do this, do that." They look at you, and they're like, "Who are you?" Like we yeah. don't trust. So, you, you've got to learn that trust first. Um, but it, it worked out. I loved it. You know, at the end of that season, um, the ownership came to me and said, Hey, we're going to move in a different direction and we want to make you the head coach. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, I've, I've only been coaching four months. I don't know how to be a head coach. And they said, Oh, by the way, you're going to be in charge of recruiting. And I'm just kind <laughs> of like, huh, that's, that's, that's a way to drop, just drop me into it. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: it's, it's sink or swim. It's one of, you can't, that's it.
1: And that's, and that's the best way that we learn as humans is, you know, we have to just jump off that cliff and just take a leap of faith. And we have to fail along the way in order for us to learn. So looking back at it, it was, it was the scariest thing that I've ever done, but it was also the greatest thing for me now looking back at it.
0: Yeah. Uh, tell me, so that was your first year you were they told you okay go ahead start recruiting you know how did you approach that like you've never done that so how did that go for you (laughs)
1: uh it was literally just me calling every single school that i knew of and just said hey here's the situation here's what i've got give me your guys Mm -hmm. um knowing now you know recruiting is all about creating relationships with programs because the better of a relationship you have with them, the more that they are going to send you better guys. Right. So that first year was really just kind of filling it out, trying to understand how to recruit. Um, I had a lot of, I had a lot of good players, um, but it was, it was the schools that I developed the relationships with. So now three to four years later, they're sending me their top guys without even hesitation of how they're going to be treated. Mm-hmm. um they know that we're we're going to put a team together that is about development first you know winning a championship and summer baseball is is great and all but no one's going to remember that in 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. but if a kid gets drafted and you help their development along the way you just change somebody's life like for a lifetime and they'll never forget that
0: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking right here, you know, 17 players under your, you know, coaching signed professional contracts, four went to, you know, represented a college World Series, 11 all CPL first and second teams. I mean, you're doing something right.
1: Doing something right on the recruiting side. You know, it, it's all just kind of give and take. And we got to keep those guys the entire year because. A lot of those guys that we get are either on pitching, you know, limits or they can only do the first half of the season, injury, stuff like that happens. So mm-hmm. as, as long as we can keep the recruiting up, um, I think everything falls into place.
0: Gotcha. Um, so you, you said that a lot of them come with, you know, their, their own homework that they need to do throughout the summer. And and I, I'm always intrigued by this because you usually don't get that in an affiliated ball, or professional ball, right? I was like, listen, you're part of the team and you got to do what you got to do. In collegiate wood bat, it's a little bit different where it's like, no, my, I'm sending you my player, but they cannot exceed this amount of innings or pitching or whatever. How, how do now becoming, a, you know, you were a manager. How do you handle all that? Like, I mean, that's a lot of information that you have to go through and all that.
1: So we usually get together all the pitchers and we, we get together with our pitching coach or head coach and say, all right, what is your goals for him this spring or this summer? Um, it's, Hey, he needs to build endurance. He needs to be able to be a starter to go five to six innings, or he needs to develop that third or fourth pitch. So every pitcher is different. Um, and it's just collaborating with these schools. So we get them to a point to where when they come back in the fall, they're ready to go.
0: Um,
1: and that right there is what develops the trust with those schools, mm-hmm. because they now know that their kids are going to be taken care of for the summer. And they're not just, you know, going off doing whatever they're they're doing. They're under a program, they're developing, they're maturing, and they're really understanding how to play baseball.
0: Gotcha. Um- that's awesome. It's And I've never heard of that right until like I recently started really looking into the, like I said, in, the, in, the, in that kind of league, the, uh, the Appy League, you guys, you know, uh, the Northwoods League up in Michigan, Wisconsin and all that. So it's totally different. And I love that. I think that's why I'm so, uh, I gravitate so much towards this league because there's so many moving pieces that you have to manage, you know, during this baseball season.
1: We, I I always like to say that there's, there's three parts of recruiting. There's, you know, the off season, as soon as the season's over, we start recruiting in August. So our season ends in August. We literally start in August and then we compile our roster and then we're, we're set probably by, I was done by Labor Day this year. So it took me about one month, you know, August 15th through about September 6th and we were completely finished. So that's the first part of the recruiting. The second part comes now during this time to where, players get hurt. Players need to go to summer school. Coaches want to keep their players back to keep them in the weight room. So now players are dropping off. We've got to Mm re-recruit and we got to, we got to fill those holes. So that's the second part of the recruiting. And I think the most important piece of recruiting, especially from a winning perspective, is the mid-season recruiting. What kind of additions can you pick up when the second half of the season starts when your one and two guy has reached their innings limit now they get to go home and you are left with a hole how do we fill that so that's when the new guys start coming in in that second half and that's what wins championships in summer baseball
0: interesting i i, I love how you say it's like all right listen as soon as season's over you guys think we're done no 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 i'm working <laughs> i'm still you know recruiting and all that and 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 the development part of with your developing that relationship with other college coaches. Now, do you reach across all levels, uh, JUCO, you know, D1, D2 and all of that?
1: We do. We uh, we go D1, D2, D3, NAI, JUCO. You know, if you can play ball, we're going to find you. (laughs) I like that. You know, we had a kid last year. He was a, he was a D2 kid, left-hander out of the Northeast in Massachusetts somewhere, I think. And 92 to 94 from the left-hand side, like 6'2", 6'3". Like, no one knew of this kid. He came down and pitched for us. He was top five in the league. The Giants signed him to a free agent deal as soon as the season's over. And he, he shipped out in Scottsdale, Arizona two days after the season ended.
0: That's and awesome.
1: He's now, he's now in their minor league system. So it's... It's a way for the smaller guys to kind of get on that scale as the big D1 guys. Mm-hmm. And those smaller guys have a lot more to prove because they are fighting every single day to be known. So these summer leagues are very important for those guys.
0: I completely agree. Now, do you concentrate on a certain uh, year, uh, freshman, sophomore? Um, is there a, a difference you know, between the teams or how, how do you handle that one?
1: So I like to recruit the older, older guys, guys that had success in summer baseball before they come to us. Cause playing with wood is completely different than playing with metal. Mm -hmm. So we want to see guys that can actually produce with wood. So we tend to go for those juniors, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, since COVID hit everything's kind of messed up because you've got like the COVID freshman, the COVID sophomore. So it's, they've had a year experience in college, but they didn't get to play. So we've kind of, kind of push the whole like age aside because of that yeah um, I will only take a freshman unless he is a stud mm. um, or unless he's just an arm that has a ton of upside um, but usually our position guys are all older guys and they're guys that have been around that can take care of themselves on the field and off the field because that's a big part you know you get these guys that have never been away from home And you put them in Wilmington, which has a lot of beaches, and it's a fun little town, and sometimes they like to go a little too wild. So we got to find those guys that are mentally mature, that understand how to handle their business as well as have fun and know the fine line between.
0: I was just going to say, because they have to remember that they're there, and I'm sure there's plenty of recruiters for Major League, you know, watching these games that they need to do what they need to do in order to, you know, make it up to Professional, uh, any kind of professional league, really.
1: And, and that's the thing that I tell these guys is you don't know who is in the stands every single game. You know, if, if you take a pitch off, you take a playoff, you don't know who's watching you, and they could easily cross your name out because of that one play that you just gave 50% on. So, you know, our league is the top four league in America. Um, There's scouts at every game, our games are broadcast online. There's there's ample opportunity to be seen. Just don't ruin your opportunity.
0: I agree. Uh, I completely agree. Like you, like I you never know, and that's just in any kind of uh, not just sports, but you never know who's watching. So you better give it your all in order to uh, you know make sure that you're you're positioning yourself in a good you know good uh, light.
1: Yeah, and it's the other thing that I tell these guys are, you know, kids are what make the sport. If it's not for the kids we don't really have a sport because we start playing as children and we grew up to who we are now. So the kids that see you on the other side of the fence, they think that you are the best thing that they've ever witnessed. And you are major league athletes to them. So I know that you're tired. I know that you've been here for three hours, but these kids are dying to watch you play. Like if you can't, if you can't get motivated to play for a seven or eight year old that just wants a foul ball and wants you to sign it, like. Where's your passions at?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Uh, so so you were with the steamers for a couple of years, and now you're with uh, Wilmington. How that happened? Like, you know, you guys just like, hey, listen, we got an opening.
1: So, it, you know, it was funny how it all worked out. At the time, the steamers were in the CPL, and they were transitioning out of the CPL. Yeah. Um, and at that time, we had made the transition, and, you know, I was still with the steamers. Um, And I got an email from at the time the GM of the Wilmington Sharks saying, hey, you know, we are going in a different direction. We want to interview you. I said, "Okay." So, you know, I was open for a phone call and the phone call ended up being an hour and a half and talked to the GM and the owner on a conference call. Next thing you know, they literally said everything that they needed to say for me to say, you know what, this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for my career, you know, I owe everything to Edenton for what they've done to you know done for me, like getting me my start, getting me my first head coaching job, helping me with recruiting, taking me in when I had no clue what I was doing. But I felt now this was kind of my next step into the bigger market, and mm-hmm. you know, I got hired right before COVID hit. So, you know, technically this is my third year, but I'm going into my second on the field, and I could not be happier.
0: Gotcha. Hey, good for you you got it. Like I said, like you were saying, it's like, this is the next step in the evolution of who you are as a coach. And, you know, I'm sure they were, they were not, you know, happy, but at the same time, they don't want to, you know, hold you back from your future as a, as a head baseball coach.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we had discussions about that and it was just, it was the right move overall. It was, you know, at the end of the day, we're developing players, mm-hmm. so why can't we develop coaches too?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's every. Why not? That is absolutely the right thing to say because you never know, right? And you know,
1: my goal ultimately is to you know get into pro ball as as a coach, and you know I've got to pay my dues just the same way that I did as a player. So you know, it's it's a it's a small. Small step in the bigger picture of it, but, you know, it's it's not the destination when you're happy. It's the journey to the destination is what makes you grateful and makes you fulfilled.
0: Um, so during the offseason, you have another job, correct? So what do you do. do during the offseason?
1: So I am the head baseball instructor at Nashville Baseball Academy in Nashville, Tennessee. So, you know, I've been there for 14 years. I am in charge of implementing all the programs that our trainers follow like mechanics, doing things the right way, uh, overseeing all the hiring of all the instructors, making sure that they're just teaching everything the right way, uh, putting together the camps for the facility, and basically just making sure everything is run like a well-oiled machine.
0: That's awesome. I love that. That's a great job. I
1: absolutely love it. You know. I started in 08 and I'm, I'm still doing it now. And, you know, I've, I've got a great support system behind me with the owners of the facility. Um, and th- watching a kid grow over the course of one to two to three years where they were to where they're at now is almost the greatest feeling in the world for an instructor slash yeah. you Yeah. Know, th- you help this person's journey. Um, and maybe they're fortunate enough to play college sports and you were a part of that. And you become a family member for the guys that you have for so long. Now it's your big brother. And now that you're going to graduations, you're, you know, it's a really cool experience. Um, And I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm a mechanics guy. So I geek out when we do mechanical work all the time. Um, That's what really gets me going.
0: Gotcha, and, and I think you also do. You you do a little bit of work with uh, Sidearm Nation.
1: As I do. Well. You know, I, I finished up my career as a sidearm pitcher, and uh, whenever they have camps, you know, I usually go to it and spend a weekend teaching guys. You know the art of throwing sidearm. The the big thing that I say with that is a lot of kids that throw sidearm kind of feel like that odd man out, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're special, they're different. No one knows how to help them. And it can be a very lonely place. And so when we have these camps, we bring all these kids together from all different parts of the world to let them know like, Hey, you, you, you are unique, but there's a support system. There's a community. It's okay to be different. And here's absolutely. here's how you throw with success. And here's how you develop. So it's a, it's a, it's an art that a lot of people don't know how to do. So it's always fun to do those because you learn something new every day.
0: That's awesome. I That's great. And I think they also have a podcast and I'm looking at it right now. Some crazy names on this thing, man. It, that's it is
1: insane. Yes.
0: My Lord. I mean, the names that you see, you're like, uh, you know, I've seen these, I've heard of these guys, right. You know, and <laughs> Tyler Rogers and you know uh David Burns oh my god I mean it's just the name the names that you see and you're like all right so that's a lot of sidearm pitchers out there
1: so Ryan Thompson you know he was with the Rays yep. um and he was he he did the camp in North Carolina and Durham with me a couple of years ago and that's how I got to meet Ryan and I, I was like that's pretty cool um, so <laughs> and you know you never know who you meet at these camps um Another sidearm guy, Eric Yardley, you know, we played together my first year in Indie Ball, and he was the one that really helped me convert the sidearm. Um, called him up. I said, hey, I've got to figure out how to do this. Give me anything you got. Um, and he was, he gave me everything that I needed to know. And, you know, we're still in connection to this day. Like whenever he's in Nashville, we always go out to eat. Um, and I credit a lot of my transition to go to sidearm because of him.
0: Love that. That's pretty cool. I think that's awesome. Um, All right. One more question and then we'll go into my, uh, my famous, not so famous questions here. Okay. Um, So did you put your staff together? Were you also responsible for putting the staff together uh, at Wilmington? You know?
1: Yeah. You know, they, they have been really good at letting me have control of everything on the field when it comes to players and coaches. Um, Mm. And you know that every every great boss lets their workers be free and be who they are, where they're not micromanaging everything. So you know, I'm very thankful that I have an ownership group that has entrusted me with being able to put together a roster, put together a staff, without them having to you know say, "Hey, make sure you're doing this, this, and that." So I'm very thankful for that. Um, I am in charge of putting all my coaching staff together every year, and I will say the one thing I actually had this discussion the other day. All the best assistant coaches that I've ever hired, the one thing that they've always had in common was that our first conversation was not about baseball. Baseball happened 45 minutes to an hour into the conversation, not to start off the conversation. Um, And I've had some good hires and I've had some not so good hires. And that's the big difference that I've seen is the guys that I absolutely love. It was not about baseball. Um, one of the assistant coaches I hired during the COVID year, our first conversation was about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) That, that we literally talked about that for 30 minutes before anything else. And it was, how do you make a great peanut butter and jelly sandwich? That's,
0: that's amazing. And he's, he's
1: now still one of my best friends. He's coaching, uh, in Charleston and we still keep in contact and, we, it's our friendships and coaching career started off as peanut butter and jelly sandwich conversation.
0: You never know how that is going to end up. So I, that's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Crazy that you started, uh, you're, you're interviewing these, these coaches to be on your staff. And the first thing that you talked about is, you know, one of the many things, right. Is peanut butter and jelly sandwich or whatever, but it's not baseball, which mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's unique. and It is important because you need to to be working with that person, for a while so you need to you know see if there is a good connection between the two of you
1: you know it's all about relationships whether Mm -hmm. you're coaching together or you're coaching your players it's all about creating relationships outside of the sport Mm -hmm. when you create relationships you create trust once you create trust everything's so much easier and you create a connection to where now they look at you differently not as a coach but as a mentor or a friend and that's when the changes really start to occur from an athlete side is when they let you in their bubble. Mm-hmm. Now you can help them, whether it's mechanics, whether it's mentality-wise, whatever it may be, they know that you care about them and they're not just an athlete. You know, the big thing that I tell all my guys is we are more than athletes. What baseball is what we do, it's not who we are. Mm-hmm. So You're right. we're gonna treat everybody as a human being with what they like, what they don't like, and really develop connection as a family. And that goes a long way for team chemistry is you're not just an athlete. You are so much more than that. Tell me about you. Don't tell me about who are you. Yeah. Who are you? What do you like? What do you not like? How can I help you away from baseball?
0: You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I mean,
0: because let's be honest, a lot of these kids are not going to end up playing, you know, professional ball. It's just the nature of the beast. So I
1: I read a stat the other day saying 0.001% of the world's population end up playing professional baseball. Sheesh. I mean, it's if you look at it, I mean, it's the numbers are so small. It's, the guys that are blessed enough to do it like that's awesome but at the end of the day like let's let's create a connection and a relationship that can last past baseball to where we actually have a bond to where if you need something down the road it's not baseball related it's life related like how can i help you in life
0: yeah I've, uh, i've had a couple of players and i've asked like okay listen i'm i'm rooting for you i hope you make it all the way to the majors and you win a world series but do you have a plan b Right? What? Do, what do you have a plan outside of baseball that's gonna, you know, that it, it you might have to use? in because of you know something happening that you're not able to continue playing baseball. And, and that's so far, harder. I've been surprised. They've all, yeah. they all have it.
1: They, I think now the awareness is bigger than ever that hey, you can't play this game forever. You need a backup plan. You need something to fall into when it's over. So now guys are starting to look in their future a lot more than I'm just going to play baseball. And then once I'm done, I'm going to figure it out. That's, that's not the way to go anymore. And, and I think a lot of professional athletes with their struggles has really brought to life, like, Hey, you've got to figure out what you're doing in three to four years. Once this is over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have a plan and you gotta work on that plan because all right, congratulations. You made it to the professional ranks. Now you need to stay there. And you may not stay there. So you need to already have something else in in place for you to, you know, for you to fall back on.
1: And I, I tell all my guys that get drafted, hey, enjoy the ride for as long as you can because it's not going to last forever. And then at the end of the day, make sure that you did everything that you possibly could during the time that you had so there's no regrets after because you can't get it back like baseball any sport once you get to a certain age you can't do it anymore so do it as much as you can that way at the end of the day you can look at yourself in the mirror with your head held high and say you know what i did it i lived my dream and i have no regrets
0: you're right we cannot all be cal Ripken or tom brady play for a thousand years
1: so well, he may know. never retire. So
0: uh, who knows at this point, he will play till he's 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, well. uh all right. So um we're uh, before I go into uh, my famous, not so famous questions. Do you know if Wilmington is going to bring out some dad hats? Uh, I mean, I think uh they have some cool stuff in the works. I'm sure they do, but we need to get them not to go on some dad hats, whether a 47 or something else we got to work. So, with them.
1: That's been one of my requests. I know that we did have some. Yeah. Um, and they've sold out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that they can reestablish those hats for this year. Um, you know, coming back from COVID last year, everything was a little nutty. Oh, yeah. Still nutty. You know, every, everything was backordered. I mean, we couldn't get anything. You know, it's, it's still the same way with, you know, in life. Like, everything is backordered. Um, so I'm hoping another year outside of COVID, everything's kind of going back to normal in terms of merchandise. Um, but I would, I would definitely love to see some dad hats. I, uh, those are my go-to right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a classic. I mean, it's a classic, like you can't go wrong with it.
0: And listen, (laughs) if you sit on it, no problem. It's not going to, you know, that get damaged. So put it back on. You're good to go.
1: And I, I can see from behind you, like you are a very big dad hat. <laughs>
0: just a little, just a little just naughty when it comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so here we go. All right. Uh first question I ask everybody: When you go to the ballpark as a fan, um, what is your drink and food of choice to go to the ballpark?
1: Cool. All right. So I have not been to a baseball, a professional baseball game in probably three or four years, just because I think. Once COVID hit, you know, it is what it is. Drink of choice, you know, I like water, just because it's so hot during baseball games. Oh yeah, um, and every every stadium has you know different selection of you know beers and whatnot. So you know, I'm a big Corona fan, so if they've got a Corona and it's not you know twenty bucks, I'm all for it. Um, but if you those go to a major league waters,
0: game, you're probably paying 20 bucks for
1: them. I mean, the bottled waters are eight. So it's another extra $12. Get, <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, you know, I was a big fan of the garlic fries in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Every time I would go to a Giants game, it was garlic fries. So anything with fries, um, I'm game for,
0: I like that. That's good. I like that a lot. Uh, all right, here we go. Cat or dog.
1: I have both, not, not like cat dog, but (laughs) so this past summer, I was living in Wilmington during the season and I was subletting an apartment and there was one stipulation that came with the apartment and it just happened to be a cat. (laughs) And, you know, she said, the cat will stay here until I can find a home for it. Well, that home ended up being my home for the entire season. (laughs) (laughs) And I was never a cat person until this guy. This was the wildest cat that I've ever been in contact with. But, you know, be, be, if you had asked me this before last season, I would said dog 100%. But, you know, I ended up having a cat for a season and we became really close. And I was really sad when they ended up finding a home for the little guy. Um, so, you know, I'm starting to lean towards cats right now.
0: <laughs> there you go. There's nothing wrong. I'm allergic to them. Like, you know, I actually <laughs> had to prove to you know my wife you know then she was my girlfriend that I was allergic to them and we went to her mom's house and I was like okay I'm not going to take anything so I can prove this to you. Eyes got all puffy, I could barely breathe and all that. She goes like, "Okay, you were not lying." I'm like, "I told you I wasn't lying."
1: <laughs> you just got to lie because You don't want an animal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, "No, I really am allergic to cats." <laughs> oh, so yeah. but it was fun. hey we're married with a daughter, so there you go.
1: There
0: you go. Uh all right. Rain or snow?
1: Ooh, snow. Uh, We don't get it a lot in Nashville. So when Mm. we do get it, it's it's really nice and really pretty. It's got to be the white snow. It can't be like that slushy, like rain snow. As long as it's got a white coating, like I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, I'm from Cleveland. Um, I'm going to pass on the snow. That's why I moved to North Carolina.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You'd rather have rain. Okay. Oh, yeah.
0: All day long. Uh, All right. Friends or Seinfeld?
1: Uh, friends and if i can maybe tweak that a little bit and go big bang theory
0: great answer that yes. is a really good absolutely absolutely
1: i can, I can watch that on repeat the All rest that. of my life <laughs>
0: there's nothing wrong with that absolutely nothing wrong with that uh favorite board game
1: ooh
0: i like clue Clue is a great board game. did you ever see the uh the movie they came out with back in like this like in the 80s?
1: I've seen it but I cannot tell you who is in it. It's been so long.
0: you gotta watch it again. It's good uh all right last song you
1: downloaded we download anymore <laughs> true <laughs> <laughs> I mean true story. Well, the last thing I downloaded was probably Napster back in the late 90s. <laughs>
0: wow, you went there. Oh my god, all right, Napster. Oh my god, hey, I used to I'm, have a Napster account. I, I I'm, used to my have 30, I'm
1: 35. What do you expect? I'm a, you know, I was raised in the 90s. Um, hey, I,
0: I, I'm a 40 year old man, I get you. I'm getting you. you man. Get it. Exactly. That's the last
1: song I downloaded. Um, oh wow, that there's a Sunroof song that I like. I don't know. It's called sunroof. I'm hanging out the sunroof. You don't want to hear anything. Is people would tune off of this really (laughs) quick?
0: All right. So is a cereal a soup?
1: No. Just like tomatoes, not a fruit. Right? (laughs) Right. It's not sweet. It's sour. There it
0: is. Um, Okay. What has been the dumbest way you've ever been injured?
1: The dumbest way I've ever been injured. Mm -hmm. Um, I smashed my thumb the other day in the weight room trying to impress a girl because I lifted too much weight and I lifted it up and now it's black and blue. That's one of them. (laughs) Um, I'm very clumsy. I fall all the time and I trip over things. Like it's, I've got two left feet almost.
0: I'm with (laughs) you. I'm with you there. I actually, last night, um, my dog thought that there was somebody nearby or whatever. There was nobody there going down the steps of our townhome. And <laughs> I literally all the way down, I all the way down the steps. It was hilarious. Uh, what was hurt was yeah. my pride.
1: <laughs> I've done that quite a few times. <laughs> right, exactly. Or, like, luckily, nobody's home when I fall.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, my wife was there. She we still laughing about that till the, you know. <laughs> Is like 11 o'clock at night and still laughing about that. Um, okay, let's see. If your life had a mascot, what would that be? An otter. Interesting. Why is that?
1: Because I love otters. They're my favorite animal. Really? Yeah, they're cute and they're mean at the same time. They
0: are. <laughs> that they are, man. Don't mess with
1: an otter. This is like my personality. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm nice, but don't piss me off. <laughs> There it is. Uh, All right. A
0: couple more here. Uh, City or country?
1: Ooh, I am leaning more towards the the city now. Okay. Yep.
0: Pepsi or Coke? If you were to drink. I mean, I know you drink water, but.
1: Coke all the way. Okay. There's just something special the way the Coke hits you versus Pepsi.
0: See, I'm a Pepsi guy. Although, although the only Coke I would drink would be from McDonald's. I don't know what they put on that on the McDonald's Coke. But there's something about it. I don't know what it is.
1: Gotta be the ice.
0: It has to be something. Uh, All right. Book that you're reading right now.
1: Ooh. So I just bought a new one. Um, It is called Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. And it's about how we. Maneuver through all of our different emotions instead of just stopping at one and just kind of skimming over. It's how do we get into that emotion and how do we get past how we're feeling? I have not started it yet, but it is on my uh, kitchen table right now.
0: Nice. All right. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Are you a fan of meditation?
1: I am. uh, It's very hard for me to shut off my mind. (laughs) If I do do meditate, it's at nighttime to help me sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, there's, there's occasional times where I'm like, okay, I need to shut everything off and just meditate at night and go to sleep.
0: I am a hundred percent there. Like it's hard. It's something that I've still struggled with until this day is the meditation part. Cause I cannot shut down my brain.
1: It's hard. And we, we've created so much craziness within our heads and our mm-hmm. minds. And there's so many different things going on and we've, we've forgotten to take time for ourselves. And I think that meditation is what what recenters us, resets us. You know, I'm, I'm very big on the laws of vibration and laws of attraction. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're made of vibration. The world is made of vibration. So if we vibrate at a higher frequency, there's infinite possibilities of what could happen. You know, it's, it's that whole philosophy. You know, if you smile at a stranger, you don't know what they're going through, but that smile could make their entire day.
0: Absolutely completely 100% agree with you like you never know what they're you know what they're going through so being nice it's it's free it's absolutely free
1: free. and you don't have to like you don't have to do anything just be nice
0: you gotta look up um uh, for another book any of them actually uh take not okay walking meditations and all that stuff I'm telling you you'll 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 enjoy it
1: yes 100%. 100%
0: You're enjoying it. All right. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, where can people find you on social media, my friend?
1: So, you know, I'm I'm not a real big social media person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have Twitter and it's just at Russ Burrows on Twitter. Um, I have LinkedIn, but that's job purposes. Um, so, you know, really the Twitter is the only thing I do just for baseball and positivity and things of that nature.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I and mean, I'll put that link on the show notes. So that way, well, people go ahead and follow you. Again, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Good luck to you in your season with the uh, with the Wilmington Sharks, my friend.
1: I appreciate you having me on and you know everything you do and collecting hats. I've, I've got a hat back here that I think came from that collection somewhere. <laughs> and it was not passed through that. a mutual friend and somehow <laughs> it, uh, in uh, my house.
0: We both have uh, something from him, so let, let's go with that.
1: Perfect. Yes. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Anytime, my friend. I hope you guys enjoy that episode with Russ. Now, make sure that you guys are not only following him, follow the team as well as the whole league. It is a lot of fun. Collegiate Woodbed is honestly one of the best leagues out there, okay? Um, And also, guys, before I go, just wanted to make sure that if this is something that you guys are enjoying, make sure to hit that subscribe button, give it five stars, and make sure you're telling at least one more person about it, so that way they'll be able to enjoy it as much as you are, okay? Until then... Keep on grinding and always support the minor leagues. See ya.
1: This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media.
0: Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data at Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you, and players, coaches, GMs, on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport.
1: I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean, and I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series. And in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy.
0: This is Patrick and Corey of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So, get on the site and find a team near you today. Learn more about Curve Brand Media at curvebrandmedia.com.